Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Dr. Raquel Lea. It has just been a wonderful journey (laughs) so far these last two weeks, these last two and a half weeks that we've broadcasted. And I am encouraged that we are, um, I guess I can say this on the show, we're getting requests for advertising. So that's always a yay. And I don't mean advertising on our show. I mean, they're requesting that we do advertising on their show, (laughs) which is really good because that would be no cost to us because we are a nonprofit. The ideal of the show when we started, again, is to impact in a successful way parent-child relationships. If you have a split in your family for whatever reason, then contact us at Camille, C-A-M-I-L-L-E, at learn-edu.org. She promotes and and will um, advocate for you, show you the direction that you need to go in, help you kind of organize and structure your life so that you are walking in a healthy state. In order to do that, there's always tools, recovery processes, things that we need to make sure we do for ourselves on a daily basis. And Camille helps me with that. She helps organize those things. She is like a librarian of parent-child relationship split. She's a librarian of it. So (laughs) contact her. But Let's get back into some of the things that we are definitely formulating for the show and how we see things going strategically for us. There will be a quarterly meet and greet. I think we'll do some community events where people will sign up online and we're looking for maybe 13 to 18 people to come out to a particular event so that we'll talk about it to help us with some volunteer opportunities. The only thing volunteer opportunities are doing for us at this point is just telling people about the show, doing some blogging, letting people know that the show's out there, letting people know that uh, we are available and you have a right to be heard in your split and, and you have a right to be advocated for. <clears throat> we people, people in this country and proceedingly in Texas, where all of this started for me, but other states I see have followed. We have an interest in the protection of children, and that's fine. I think historically we need to understand where the protection of children came from. It came from the time that we in this country were a manufacturing country, and our first start in the 1400s where we would put child children to work. And then there was a creation for child labor laws. We were a big industrious country with 13 states. And so we needed people to work and putting children to work. Children would die. Children were not being educated. Children were being treated as um, slave labor that you had to pay. And they would die in these manufacturing firms. They, they, they would walk around as orphans. Children would peddle on the street. And as manufacturing companies would put children to work, there was no representation for these children. And since there was no representation to these children, then um, we began to implement child labor laws. Children were just being slaughtered, working for companies and, and getting into these big manufacturing firms and trying to work and organize this heavy machinery because child labor was cheap. Why is this important? 
<clears throat> this is how the Department of Family Protective Services got involved. It started with child labor laws. And I'm going to tell you, I, one of the things that's freeing for me in my life that I like to promote for you is the fact, I don't know why this guy always comes by my home. <laughs> let me just, let me, okay. Memory deleted. Okay. The fact that you understand how something originated helps you understand the policy of why they're there and implementing in your life. Child labor laws are effective. Children were being slaughtered. And so in the 1400s, there was good that was being um, mandated to protect children. And from the protection of children, it went even further. And, and children were being mistreated in the home. And so the Department of Family Protective Services on a federal level was created out of that. It is worth a read. It is worth reading about to understand that child labor laws in the very beginning of stages um, were there to protect children. And then it's, it's, it's important to understand that domestic violence was crazy rampant in every state. It was something that was uncontrolled and there was a need to protect children once again. Then there was a need to protect women. And then there was a need to have a voice and advocacy. That's how the courts began to get involved with parent-child relationships and saying, okay, we need a watcher over children. So I'm not angry for that. Give me one minute. We need to take a short PSA break. And we're back. And thank you so much for tuning in. And I'm just giving you a quick rundown you can do your own research. I, 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 you know, I'm an advocate for research. I think learning is one of the more freeing things in life. So looking up child labor laws, giving it a quick read and the intent, I think no one is upset with the intent of protecting children. I don't think anyone is upset with the intent of being under investigation to make sure that everything in your home is righteous. I don't think there's an intent of anger that people say, hey, my children aren't being protected or that child is not being protected or that child is not being protected. If you haven't guessed yet, I'm, I'm, I'm merely focusing on the legalities of the part that causes a child and parent separation. So you have this this parent-child separation and, and you want to know why. Why is this happening to me? I'm under investigation for this or I'm under investigation for that. So I think most of the time those things are anomalies. You will, Okay, let me just stop. I have too much. I'm having an information spurt. <laughs> too much information is running into my head and I can't verbalize it. So let me pause and breathe. You will find that... There is a goodness in the work of the federal government to protect children. And rather that's protecting children from corporations, which is how this started. Rather that's protecting children from some sort of sexual assault, child labor, the enforcements of rules and, and regulations in one's home, 
then children have to go to school. Okay, what do we need to do to protect the children at school? How do we protect the innocence of children? Even though this is not the road that I thought I was going to go down <laughs> when Day Diary started. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with protecting children. I believe all children should be protected. I think youth should be protected and show, so should the elderly, adults should be protected, single people should be protected. There's not one person on this earth that shouldn't have a level of protection. And and so now who are you protecting children from? And is there such thing as so much protection that that it's actually hurting the system? Yes. <laughs> I, I want my children to run and play on the play yard. But I'm going to stay and watch my children play because I want to make sure that there are no predators around. There's several reasons. And sometimes other children are predators. I'm not going to forget my point. I woke up with a heavy heart today because yesterday I saw on the news as a current event that a girl in South Carolina died in a school fight. <coughs> I can't even tell you that my heart goes out to that family. Can't do it. I can't say it. I, I, and it. And it brings me to fear and hurt and concern over the fact that my children are now in public school. That hurts because I, I don't have the watchful eye that I wanted to have. That wasn't my decision. I, I believe they should be homeschooled, but now they somewhere child in public school. Let's keep moving. Well, I know where. I'm just not telling you where. I know the specific details. I'm just not telling you because this is a radio show. Y'all don't get that. <laughs> However, <clears throat> my heart went out. N not really to the community. I, I, I could care less about the community putting on a show and, and now grieving the loss of a child that they could care nothing about, that they probably threw away as a piece of trash. And, and I probably don't care about the school. I could care less that the school is hurt and it brings the school to tears. And so they put out a statement saying the death of this child hurts us as a community, you know. We, we expelled the other student that did this. I know what kind of parent I am. And I had, when my children were young, my children went to, to private school. And they knew who I was. I was always there advocating for my children. And I was an on-site parent, let's just put it to you that way. And, which also led me to start homeschooling, but... <laughs> But I, I'm, I'm just saying that to say this to you so that you, you, you understand my point. If the parent is, who, is half of who I say I was, they, they knew that something was going on with the school. They probably reached out to the school, probably got into an argument with the school. The, pro the staff probably gave the, t the, the parent a hard time for, you know, they kind of roll your eyes and, oh, here she comes again. Oh, she's complaining about her child again. Oh. There's nothing we can do. We've already did this. We, everybody's hands are tied. No, everybody 
comes to you from a perspective a perspectiveness of powerlessness. Now the community is remorseful. They 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 are probably going to come on TV and say how they were powerless. Now the schools remorseful. They're going to come out and say they were powerless. Then the parent is going to be investigated, which is going on now. How did your child die? And so now something that happened in school, this child dying, or this child being in a fist fight, probably hit an aneurysm or some kind of nerve, went home, went to sleep and died. And who's under investigation? The parent. Things get blown so far out of proportion. The school is going to protect itself. They have money to do that. This girl, when they, when they posted pictures of this fifth grader, looks like the family's poor. They don't have a lot. They look like regular, working, almost middle class family struggling to put food on the table. Parents don't look like they have a lot. And now everybody's in remorse. And and my my concern is where was the level of advocacy when the child was alive? What did we put in place? Well now there's gonna be an investigation and we're gonna Yeah, I could care less about investigations because someone has died and there's been a child that's died. So for all the corporate labor laws and for all of the everybody getting attorneys and protecting themselves because the school is not going to protect the child. The school's best interest is the ISD. The community is not going to protect the child because the community's um, the community has to get up and say, hey, we have a safe neighborhood. Move here. We promote this city. We promote this county. And this is going to fall back on the parents. I'm going to tell you that right now. It doesn't take an Einstein to see that. I wish that we would slow things down and not be hotheads and take an objective view of how people have a special a special interest to protect themselves. And so when that happens, things fall back on parents. And I cringe right now at the thought that this is going to come down as a parent, a parental a parental issue. And so now there's this child separation split and loss and the laws involved now what how do we heal how do we recover and I'm going to tell you I'm going to leave you with this thought just because that child is not in your life by separation death split run away Whatever the reason is, does not mean that you are not a parent. I'm Dr. Raquel Leia. Thank you for listening in.